Welcome to episode 14 of the uh, BSA podcast and we're sat here on a surprisingly sunny October day in, in Glossop. And I think you'll find it's September still. You're wishing your life away. I am wishing my life away. It is still September. Right. Why I decided it was October, I'm really not sure. Anyway, in, in the sunny September day uh, and, and as I'm, uh, you've just noticed, I'm uh, sat here with my fellow podcast presenter David Wright. Good afternoon. Who isn't wishing his life away. And today we're going to talk about, well, we had a bit of a debate about what we were talking about today, but the, the title we finally came up was Recognising the Commerciality of the Internet, which is, but ultimately it's about recognising the value of, of, of content, the stuff that you produce on the internet, and making sure um, that you understand exactly why you're doing it and what you're trying to get out of it. So, David, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that it's we're seeing things start to shift. Perhaps one of the biggest areas where people notice it, which isn't directly related to to SME commerciality, but I think we've we've all perhaps or maybe experienced it, is uh, when you look at, uh, at newspapers and magazines, as there's a an increased shift from print to being online. Um, I think was it Marie Claire recently announced they were just going didn't have their last. Um, print publication and going entirely online but I, I've noticed it more with, with newspapers where you, you perhaps uh, google and about something and then you suddenly see oh look, there's a link from um, whether the Telegraph or the Guardian or the Times or what have you and then you think I'll go and read it and then with not all of them but with some of them you you're now getting well you can only read it if you buy a subscription and I think we're used to having information to be just freely available, and a lot of it still is. But equally, people are now trying to, they've, they've you know, it's costing them money to produce the the content that, that you want to read. And so they're now saying, well, if it's costing us to produce it, it's only reasonable that maybe you contribute back to if you want to consume it, if you want to read it. So I think it, it's now looking at saying, well, when people are giving you stuff on the internet, if they're not wanting to charge you money for it, then is there something else going yeah, on? And I, I think that's where it's getting interesting. I think newspapers are a good example because they are they have big enough audiences that they can. I mean, we, we've been discussing the idea that there are two models for uh, making money out of the internet. One is you're delivering an audience to advertisers, you know, Facebook or any of the big social media platforms. And they ultimately, their business model is about sucking up data and then selling that to advertisers. And I think potentially some of the big newspapers could be do that on a, a similar level. Uh, or if you're not doing that, then ultimately you've got to be monitor. You've got to be getting people to pay for it. And and the papers are a good example because if you take the Telegraph and the Guardian, they have two very different models. In the Telegraph is paywall, in that you you basically take our subscription if you're allowed if you want to read it. The Guardian uh, basically tries to encourage you to do that, but you have to assume that much of their uh, revenue is generated through advertising. So yes, there are those. Um, those two models but I think in our sort of market the sort of markets that a lot of our, our listeners operate in which is sort of niche SME markets I mean is it really practical to go down there oh I'm creating an audience that I can I can sell to advertisers statistically no but you know we we have to accept that uh, in love them or hate them that the we are in the world of the uh, social media influencers and there are people who have by doing nothing more than just putting stuff on 
on the internet, particularly on obviously on, on YouTube, they have built such phenomenal audiences of people who want to hear what they have to say that they have become celebrities in their own right. They have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers and all of a sudden people want to associate with them, they want to put advertising with them and people pay them to do things. So it is possible for a, an individual or perhaps a small business to create their own influencer world but I think it's exceptional. And I, and I think you mentioned there the, the YouTube influencers where um, they're talking about things like makeup, makeup tips or, as you say, watching, watching people play Fortnite or something like that. And there, the potential audiences are absolutely massive globally. Whereas if you're talking about extolling your expertise in plastics technology or something like that, then the audiences are going to be significantly smaller. So I think that's where being being an influencer or an expert in in the sort of the, the technical SME world that we operate in is really not practical. So I think you've, in, from my view, you have to take the view in those sort of markets, if you're going to be producing content on the internet, it's because you want to be selling people. So you want to be selling people stuff and, and monetizing it some other way. And then it's about how do you monetize that, that content? Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and actually what we're, we're saying is you, you're not, tr well, you're not directly trying to monetize the content. What you're trying to do is to, by making the content interesting and valuable to your target audience, they will want to engage with you. Not, and, and they're not just going to consume your content, but they're also going to start to recognize that, that you have knowledge and talent and experience and maybe products and services that fit with with their the, their business and their, their situation so they are and as they get to know you better through this engagement they perhaps can can trust you and have confidence so when they have a need for what it is that you're offering they are more likely to come knocking yeah and i and i think you're right the the value in uh, in this sort of market is about the expertise and it's about it's needs to be leading people towards uh, your free offering, which is normally going to be a commercial service or uh, a, a product or something like that, because the idea of actually monetizing your, your content directly is, again, very difficult. Even taking the example of asking someone to give you their email address um, before you allow them to read your content, is it will reduce the level of exposure of that content by orders of magnitude and I think you've got to accept that the from a marketing perspective your number one objective is to get your content in front of the right people so you have to put as as few barriers as possible to them actually doing that I think I think so and but I think further that again looking at what we're talking about this niche expert SME world Actually, the number of people, number of customers, number of clients that you're likely to be working with compared to the marketplace is likely to be fairly small. So whichever way you slice it up, most of the people who are consuming your content will not be buying anything mm. from you. But nonetheless, it's important to ensure that you focus your content onto the people that you're interested in. Because it's just, you know, the, the phrase we uh, have used in the past is the idea of just putting videos of surfing pigs. Okay, you might get a lot of shares and likes on, on Facebook, but it's not really helping move your business forward. Because, And to some extent, it's not about sheer volume of, of traffic. It's about volume of the right traffic. And, mm -hmm. and the fact that there are people engaging with your, your content who don't have any potential of doing any business with you 
at one level you couldn't care less yeah no and I, and I think you have it as you say it's it's got to be making sure that you know why you're producing that content and what it's actually adding to your marketing marketing story and I think the whole the whole question about uh, sort of can you ask for email addresses and things like that I think you can can on one level but it's it's about making sure you you balance it and you know the good model is maybe you, you might have a blog with lots of interesting um uh, interesting content on there that people can just read for free but then the idea of if you have a, a slightly more in-depth nicely produced sort of pdf brochure that the details sort of more inf- i mean an example we have a, have a client who do a a, um, a sort of a guide to safaris that is a nicely produced pdf that I, yes they ask you for e- your email address to uh, uh, to download that and i think that's reasonable but there is also a lot of information for free uh, on their website just in blog posts so i think it's about sort of balancing the by all means use content to get things like email addresses but at the same time accept that a lot of the stuff that you uh, uh, you do needs to be just freely accessible and, and available. I, th- I think that that example you just gave is 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 good because it kind of shows the the progression you can get that the completely free, just it's there to be consumed, read, viewed content is is also starting to tell your audience that they can. If you're talking about uh, safaris, that. They, they look like the sort of safaris that you might be interested in. So when you say, well, yeah, what I'm seeing at the moment is telling me that I think I'm in the right place. I now want to move to the next level. I'm, I'm not ready to book my safari, but I'd like to know a bit more and I'm starting to trust you a bit. Then uh, the idea that you can get a more, more detailed information by um, trading your email address. And I think, th- th- you know, it's not cash, but it's, it's monetizing it in a different way. It is a trade at that point. They're going to give you more and more detailed and more useful information in return for which you're giving them their, their uh, your email address. And I guess you are also at that point confident and have trust that they are not going to abuse the fact that you you're mm. giving them your your email address, which is a is is, is a valuable piece of information. Yeah. And and I think it's it also illustrates this idea of making sure you create a very strong. A connection between the free content you're offering and your paid services. I mean, I was using an, an example earlier of a, a website I use a lot called WP Beginner. They do it, it, it. I always seem to end up on there when I'm looking for free content or looking for content about uh, websites. Nine times out of ten, it's a bit basic, but um, they do. They, they're very good at getting their content out there. But it wasn't actually till I started researching this that I realised what their paid offering was, and it's some various. Uh, plugins that have no real connection to most of the content they're putting on there and I think that there's a disconnect there and I think it's a, it's, it's important that the free content you are the content you are putting on is leading people towards towards the, the paid services makes them more likely to use your paid services rather than just you're putting it out there to try and get traffic to your website yeah and, and I think I'll, I will add on to that that you know from the outset that whatever you put on uh, put out for for your audience to uh, to have access to you're doing that for a reason and that reason is a commercial reason is that ultimately you're looking to to build more business opportunities and to grow your business so it's important to recognize that in the content you produce that quality is at least as important and in my view probably more important than quantity and uh, so it is likely that there is going to be some investment on your part in terms of time or money or a combination of the two to make sure that even the free content that you're producing is 
good quality yeah. and is going to tell people the right story. Yeah, just producing content for the idea of, of getting it out there is is not you know you've got to assume people are going to read it and when they read it you want to expect them to it to have a positive impact on your image and i think that is is critical because if you're just producing it for the sake of producing it, you might as well not bother so yet again we need to be avoiding the surfing pigs indeed no, the odd surfing pig is uh, on twitter is i think perfectly reasonable um okay well we, we'll uh, sort of draw that to a close now and i think we just we always like to to finish with a uh, a few sort of tips for if you're thinking about this subject, how can you practically sort of implement it in your business? So your number one tip, David. I think, again, it's just sort of reiterating some things we've touched on, that you need to understand what the track is that you're trying to lead people on from the free content that you're making freely available through possibly enhanced content that might be uh, where you're looking for an email address or something, right through to uh, the idea of, of hopefully encouraging people to to do business with you. So make sure you've got a connection through the whole track. Okay. And mine would be um, that whenever you're creating content, ask the question, why am I producing this? What value does it add to my business? What what does it say about the, you know, how does it add to my marketing message? And be really sort of critical. And if you, if, if you can't answer that positively, you should be maybe saying, well, maybe I shouldn't be producing this content. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll just add one final one as well. And this is particularly for... For um, if you're you're running an SME, uh, uh, running a business where you you work closely with your customers and clients, that it is about your relationship with your individual clients. You're not just flogging them stuff. So recognize that the idea that the internet is is a panacea of everything and it's just going to deliver customers to you is probably not not the case mm. but that part of the track that i sort of talked about earlier might be that you need to actually engage with people on an individual basis as well so the idea of running on from what might be initially an a web-based relationship to uh, having a more personal more more connected relationship with people as part of the process to them to ultimately doing business together is something that is normally a, a, a valuable part of the mix as well okay i think we'll leave it there and um, I, as normal, if you want to know anything more or, or sort of follow this up, you'll find previous podcasts on podcast.bsamarketing.com. You'll find our blog with lots of uh, useful free information, which we don't ask any uh, uh, feedback for, on bsamarketing.com. You'll find us on Twitter at bsamarketing, and you'll also find us on LinkedIn. Um, so I will just leave you with a, a, something that I, I heard once and saying, if you're not paying for a product, there is a good chance that you are the product. So on that basis, I'll leave it there and uh, happy marketing. Bye for now.